Yesterday, we had a basic introduction to the topic, and uh, we saw that uh, when we speak about refuge in uh, Buddhism, we're not uh, speaking about some passive act of going to some higher power to protect us, but uh, rather we are taking certain measures ourselves in order to prevent our own sufferings and difficulties. And uh, this is uh, something that we can describe in terms of putting a positive and safe direction in our life. And that direction is to work on ourselves to uh, overcome and avoid uh, the various uh, shortcomings and difficulties that uh, we have in life. And working on ourselves is something that uh, gives meaning to our life. And uh, that's because we're working on ourselves to uh, bring more happiness to ourselves and to others. And then we look at what does it mean to uh, bring more happiness to ourselves. And we saw that uh, it doesn't actually mean to uh, have more fun and more entertainment and uh, more pleasure because uh, whatever happiness we gain from that never lasts. It's never enough. We always want more. So what uh, would really be meaningful would be to have some sort of more fundamental uh, basic level of uh, happiness. And we've seen just based on biology that uh, this uh, more stable level of uh, happiness comes from the emotional support that we gain from this uh, being connected and feeling connected to others, just from being a social animal, biologically. And we examined that uh, when we are closed and just concerned about ourselves, self-preoccupied, that uh, this cuts us off from others, and we feel isolated and lonely. And that makes us unhappy, makes anybody unhappy. I mean, I think we all know that. We, uh, almost everybody, I think, at some point or another, sinks into this uh, whole syndrome of poor me, nobody loves me, etc. That really is very unpleasant, isn't it? Whereas uh, when we are open to others, thinking about others, taking care of them, helping them, the small acts of kindness makes us feel much more stable, supported, happy. Not dramatically happy, but in a very calm, supportive type of way. I don't know if you have this in uh, Russian language, but in English, we make a difference between being warm-hearted and cold-hearted. Warm-hearted is loving, open person, basically a happy person. Cold-hearted is very cruel, closed, and uh, uh, very, uh, what should we say? Nobody wants to be with such a person. So as uh, it says in uh, one of the uh, great Buddhist texts, the seven-point uh, mind training, says, uh, put all the blame for our problems on one thing, and that's our self-cherishing attitude, self-preoccupation, only being concerned about ourselves. And uh, elsewhere in the same text, it says, 
if all our Buddhist practice comes down to this one point of everything that we do is intended for overcoming this self-cherishing, then that's a sign that our practice is successful. So this presentation of uh, refuge that uh, I'm going through this weekend is uh, taking that approach from uh, the seven-point mind training and seeing how uh, it can apply to the most basic fundamental teaching of uh, Buddhism, which is refuge. And I think it makes it much more significant. When I say significant, what I mean is that it makes it more meaningful, something that we can actually uh, relate to and see how it does, in fact, make the foundation for the whole path. So, first step that, that we need to uh, take in terms of uh, refuge and... Uh, I'm not just speaking theoretically, I'm speaking uh, each day. We start the day with uh, this uh, putting a direction, reaffirming a direction in our life. The first step that you need to do is to affirm the importance of it, why you want to do this. In other words, you know, often we uh, say that in the morning, it says also in the seven point uh, mind training, that uh, you start with the intention, the intention, you know, and then the carrying out the uh, Dharma practice and then dedication. So fine, this is before the intention, what leads us to the intention. And so what we look at is that uh, if today is a meaningless day, it's going nowhere and I'm just doing my ordinary routine, which is very unsatisfying, this is not what I want. Yes. This is not fulfilling. What uh, would be far better would be to put some sort of meaning in my life. Do something meaningful today. As uh, I mentioned yesterday, when we feel that we can make at least a small difference in the world, even to just one person by making them a little bit happier, it gives us a sense of self-worth. And that sense of self-worth is so, so crucial in terms of our basic level of happiness in life. So this is the direction that I want to put in my life. So then you set the intention of going in that direction, trying to do that. That's, as we were saying yesterday, that's the most basic level of refuge. Then you could, if you want, you can fill in more and more detail of what it means to go in that direction. But first, the general direction. Because if we just say the direction is Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, and we can maybe just list the whole set of qualities of them, it doesn't have any meaning in our ordinary lives. So we need to understand what's behind it, what is underlying the basic direction. And as I said yesterday, if we look at just the physical body of a Buddha, with all the characteristics, it's an infogram, infographic, I should say, <laughs> not like a telegram, but an infographic that uh, uh, each feature indicates what the cause was, and the cause was cherishing others in 32 different variants. That's what it's signifying. You know, the qualities of the speech of a Buddha. You know, everybody can understand what a Buddha says in any language. 
Well, that's obviously, if we care about others, we care about communicating with them and communicating with them in a way that they can understand. That's the whole purpose, you know, the whole idea behind these qualities of speech. And that's something that we can aim for. And the qualities of mind, you know, to be able to understand everybody, understand what their problems are, what their needs are, how to actually help them. Well, that's something that we could aim for trying to do. And even on the most basic level, being, caring about them is the first step. And then listening to what they say, being sensitive to what's going on with them. Not just, uh, oh, I wish they would shut up and leave me alone so I can go back to, you know, looking at my Facebook page or whatever. It's like when you're really uh, in a crowded metro. I know here in Moscow, the metros are incredibly crowded. What's going on in our minds? Do we want to just shut ourselves off and just lose ourselves into our cell phone, which a lot of people do, and the earphones with the music? Or does that give an, us an opportunity to feel connected with all these people in this metro? When do we even think like that? And how many people enjoy riding in the crowded metro? Or being caught in one of these uh, classic traffic jams here in Moscow? How much are we thinking of all the other people caught in the traffic jam? Except with very negative thoughts toward them. <laughs> You know, this is what mind training practice is all about, to transform these uh, challenging, difficult situations into positive situations in which we can actually develop concern for others, that nobody wants to be in this traffic jam, we're all here together type of uh, thing. We're not the only ones stuck here, poor me. You know, the traffic jam, the crowded metro are wonderful opportunities to work on compassion. Compassion for everybody else stuck in this uh, situation. You know, and doing Donglen practices, you know, taking on all the frustration of everybody else. And, you know, I will, through my patience, through my understanding, through my openness, wish that everybody could have, you know, could be like this. Then you transform the whole situation. And this is what putting a safe direction in our life is all about. Not just, oh, Buddha, get me out of this traffic jam. And you see, this puts a meaning in our life. You know, when we start out in the morning, start out in the morning with the thought of, you know, oh my God, I have to be in traffic for two hours to get to work. What a torture. Poor me. <laughs> You're miserable. If you start out the day with thinking, wow, now I have two hours to practice compassion while I'm going to work. And working on myself to see, you know, can I really deal with this and not get upset? Completely different flavor to our life, isn't it? So that's what is meant by setting the intention, taking refuge in the morning when you wake up. You know, it's not just mechanically do some prostration and recite, a, you know, a verse. To develop this... Uh, connectedness with others, which uh, underlines everything that I've been uh, saying now. Based on cherishing them, helping them, the next question to really identify is what do we need to overcome? 
in order to be able to do this, to have this connectedness and feel this connectedness with others. What is preventing this? Preventing me from doing this. Right? This is uh, the next step. So, of course, Buddhism has a whole list of uh, things that are preventing this, but before we go through that list, I think it's helpful to just look within ourselves to see if we can possibly identify what is preventing me from this connectedness, this openness with others. And do we place the blame on just, well, nobody loves me, it's all their fault, or what really is the source of this? I'm so wonderful, but nobody appreciates it. And we examine things like, and this is not very nice to examine, I'm sorry, but uh, um, nobody understands me. That type of attitude. I'm so lonely, nobody understands me. What is that type of thinking? Does that make us happy or unhappy? Okay, the example I was thinking of made me chuckle is uh, when we are with somebody, we meet a friend. Do we just want to tell them all our own problems? Or are we concerned about hearing what's going on with them? I have friends like that who never ask me how I'm doing. They just immediately go into a whole long story of uh, all the difficulties that they've had during the week. So we can be on both sides of that. Either the side that, you know, just wants to talk about yourself and really doesn't ask it or care about what's going on with you. Or we could be on the other side that uh, this person is telling me all their problems and the main thought in our head is shut up already because I want to tell you about me. <laughs> so self-cherishing behind both sides here. And it becomes a very unpleasant uh, interaction. In any case, what is uh, helpful is uh, going through the various things that uh, prevent us from being connected with others, from, from being happy, basically, as uh, is presented in the graded stages of Lamrim. Lamrim is wonderful that way. So let's look at these one by one. The reason for this is because the first emotional state, the first component of the emotional state that we need to develop in order to really put this direction in our life is called fear. Well, fear means to be horrified at what we're doing, which is just creating more unhappiness for ourselves. We're horrified at that. It's not that I'm afraid of it, but uh, wow, you know, this is, this is horrible what I'm doing. I really want to stop it. So, first one, acting destructively. So, what does this include? Being dishonest with others, cheating, cheating them, bullying them, harming them in one way or another, clinging to them, don't ever leave me, why didn't you call? 
Why don't you love me? Or ignoring them, right? Being totally insensitive to them. These are all destructive types of behaving. And they certainly don't win friendships, do they? People don't like you if you are dishonest and cheating them and bullying them and so on, or using them just for your own pleasure, exploiting them, what I can get from them. So these are things to examine in our own personal relationships. So we examine ourselves to see in this relationship or that relationship, how am I acting? How am I behaving? Am I using this person just for my own benefit, for my own pleasure, for my own, you know, what work I can get out of them, what I can get them to do for me, this type of thing. And does this really prevent us from feeling connected with them in a positive way? Are we really helping them? Does it make us happy to have this type of relationship with others? This is something to examine. This is something that if we find that it is the way that we're acting with many, many people, and that it's just causing more isolation, more bad relationships, what we want to develop is feeling horrified at this. I don't want to do that. This is self-destructive. Not only is it unpleasant for the other person, it's, it's self-destructive for me especially if you're in a position in which you have people working for you, you're just using them? Or what, or are they human beings? Or the other people in the office? Do we just see them as a function that they perform or do we see them as human beings? So let's examine ourselves to see if we're acting destructively. You know, we don't have to take it to the extreme that you see in the Lam Rim, you know, going around murdering people. You know, that's general category. Underneath that are all the variants of hurting somebody in some way or another, not just killing mosquitoes. Okay. The next thing we examine are, are disturbing emotions like getting angry with other people, being filled with longing desire for them, clinging to them, being naive about their feelings, and naive about the effect of our behavior on them, or feeling anxiety that uh, they won't like us or perhaps they'll reject us. So we look to see, do we have these disturbing emotions in our relations with others? And do they prevent us from being connected with them in a positive way and really helping them? We are always getting angry with them, losing our patience. We're only thinking of uh, what they can do for us. So we're, we're attached and having this disturbing emotional state of mind toward various people in our life. Does it make us happy? Or is it really spoiling our relationship with other people? So let's examine ourselves. And if it is, and we feel horrified at the fact that this is continuing, something we would like to work on, isn't it? To yes. overcome. It's isolating me from others. It's destroying my friendships.
Okay. The next one is compulsively acting in a constructive way. This includes being over-concerned about them, always trying to help them even when they don't want or need our help, giving our unwanted advice and opinion, constantly correcting them even when it's inappropriate, just because they don't do things the way that we like to do it, or we want, or we usually do it. So we correct them all the time, thinking that it'll be helpful, but actually they just resent it, or just worrying about them all the time. These are compulsive, constructive ways of uh, acting with others. And we, again, examine ourselves and see, does this prevent us from really connecting with them in a positive way and really helping them? Does it make us happy? The problem isn't caring about them. The problem is being too pushy about it. If we have teenage children, I think this <laughs> syndrome becomes very clear. Also, if we're running an office, this also is, uh, or even working with other people in an office, always trying to push them to do things our way rather than letting them do it their way, which might be just as efficient and just as good. It often happens in an office. And again, we discovered that uh, we're acting like this with others, maybe not with everybody, but with a significant number of people. This is something that we see because it cuts us off from others. It prevents really a good connection with others. This is, I'm horrified at that. I really want to overcome that. I'd like to go in a direction that is getting me out of that. Okay. The next one, Lamrim is wonderful in this way. It gives stage by stage, step by step, all these things that uh, are really so self-destructive. The next one that's pointed out are our disturbing attitudes centered around our preoccupation with me, me, me. So some of them are underlying our destructive behavior, some underlying this compulsive constructive behavior. In the case of destructive syndromes, being selfish, always thinking, I should get my way. I should get what I want. I'm the most important. I should get to the front of the line. I'm always right. Or it could be the opposite. I'm no good. What if they don't like me? Right? All of that's focused on me, 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 isn't it? And in the case of constructive, you know, compulsive constructive syndrome, it would be things like, I have to be perfect. This perfectionist uh, mentality. And what's best for me and what I like is best for you. So all of these are examples of this uh, disturbing attitude of self-preoccupation. Just most important is me, what I like, what I think, what I want. It's amazing when you actually start to examine the way we think, how often that type of thought comes up, you know, with that voice that's going on in our head. I don't like what you did. I want it to be like this, et cetera, et cetera. Why aren't you like what I want? <laughs>
There was even a study done, His Holiness the Dalai Lama often quotes this, about uh, the people who have the word I or me most frequently in their thoughts and in their speech have the most heart problems, yeah. high blood pressure, these sort of things. So again, we examine ourselves. Does this prevent us from being connected with others in a positive way and from really helping them? Does it make us happy? Okay, and again, you feel horrified at this. The more I'm focused on thinking about me, actually the more miserable I am. And I'm horrified at that. Then the next one, just two more. These syndromes of disturbing emotions and destructive behavior and compulsive constructive behavior and always being preoccupied with me, me, me. They uncontrollably recur. That's what samsara is all about. There's no control over it. Just keep on every relationship we get to, every situation. They just keep on coming up and coming up. That's horrifying. It really is. In one form or another, they come. Each new relation that I get into, each new connection with somebody, basically this messes it up. We don't want to mess it up. But we mess it up anyway, like we don't have any control. Is that something that we want to continue? Or is that something which is horrific and we really want to overcome that? Again, we examine ourselves. The fact that these uncontrollably recur, does that make a better connection with others or does it make worse connection with others? Does it make us happy? So it's a pattern we'd like to break. And the final one to think about is how we really don't know how to help others. We can't really understand what all the causes and conditions have been that are affecting the way they are now. And we have no idea what the long-term effect will be of anything we say or do in our attempt to try to help them. That's most clear when we're trying to raise children. We don't really know what's going to be the best for them. We maybe have our own ideas, but we really don't know. And whatever we try, we don't know what the effect is going to be. That's quite terrible, isn't it, actually? Or uh, how to help our friends how to help our elderly parents, what would be best for them. Really, we have no idea, do we? And I wish I knew. So that's something to think about. Okay, so these are the obstacles, things that prevent us from really being connected in a positive and meaningful and constructive way with others. We act destructively toward them. We have disturbing emotions, like we get angry with them. We 
compulsively try to help them even when they don't want our help, so we're pushy with them. We try to be perfect. We're preoccupied with me. What I like must be what you would like. What is good for me must be good for you. Or we should always do things my way. And all these syndromes keep on repeating over and over again. We don't seem to have any control over it. And even when we try to help them, we don't really know what uh, would be best. And thinking about all of that as is nicely delineated in the Lam Rim for us is something that we're horrified at. We really want to avoid. You know, when we talk about refuge, we're not just talking about on the initial level. It's relevant throughout the path. So, of course, refuge underlies the entire path. Don't just limit it to thinking, well, I'm afraid of going to hell. So, you know, Buddha saved me. That's a very limited way of looking at this whole uh, topic of refuge. But we look at all these patterns in ourselves, and that is what we talk about fear. We're horrified at that. We really don't want that to continue, and we want to put some direction in our life that will help us to prevent all of that continuing. In that sense, it's refuge. It saves us from suffering. So we reaffirm that point, what we've covered this morning. Okay, remember, refuge, like every other topic in Dharma, for it to have any meaning to us, it has to be relevant to our own personal lives. If it's not relevant, if you can't see the relevancy of it, then it's just interesting information, at best, or boring information, the worst. So... Small dedication, rather positive force, understanding of come from this, and go deeper and deeper and act as a cause for really taking refuge and reaching enlightenment for all. Thank you.